Welcome to this Help and Hope podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Betters. And for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that the goal of this podcast and Mark Inc. Ministries, who produces the podcast, is to offer help and hope, especially to hurting people. We often do this through conversations with people who have or are experiencing life crises that are They might be experiencing them in isolation or they are difficult for loved ones to know how to come alongside of them. So the conversations not only are an encouragement to those who are hurting, but to those who love them and a way to equip us to know better how to be encouragers. Sometimes our conversations are about putting into place building blocks that help prepare us or maybe even enable us to walk by faith not only in the mundane moments of life, but in the dark places too. And in today's podcast, my guest is Jani Ortland, and we're gonna talk about what it means to be married to our pastor. Jani wrote a book called Help, I'm Married to My Pastor. And as soon as I saw the title, I knew I had to get it and read it and pass it on to other young pastors. Well, I'm not young, but the young pastor's wives that I know. So Jani is a well-known writer, and conference speaker. Her husband is Ray Ortland, and he is a well-known author and also the president at Renewal Ministries. And Jannie, who is a former school teacher, holds a master's degree in education and presently serves as executive vice president at Renewal Ministries. And we're going to include in our show notes the website so you can learn more about Renewal Ministries. You know, Janie, between the two of us, we have over 100 years of experience. I know, Sharon. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? What a privilege. It is. It is amazing. Yes. And it just kind of tickled me when I realized that. Um, So we're, uh, I like to say, I'm not afraid to say I'm an older woman. I'm 73 years old. And it is such a privilege to be able to share with those coming behind us, some of our life story and how God has been faithful to us. And I think this is a topic that maybe we don't talk about it enough. So I'm grateful for the book that you've written, and I'm grateful for this conversation. And I think pastors, wives, young or old are going to enjoy listening. So before we jump into what it's like to be married to our pastor, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your own experience as a pastor's wife. Oh, Sharon, thank you for having me on your podcast. And I love talking to another pastor's wife who's in the same stage as I am. We've been married 50 years and been in ministry that long together. So I'm so grateful. Ray has pastored uh, different size churches. We've planted two churches together. Mm -hmm. He's also been a seminary professor for nine years, training mm-hmm. pastors. So for your listeners, there are a few different experiences that I might be able to speak into by God's grace. You know, it's interesting that whenever I post, I share something on social media about being a pastor's wife, I don't get a lot of public traffic, but I know that I get a lot of private traffic because Pastors' wives don't want to admit to the public that they have struggles or hard places because they're fearful of criticism of their husbands. But there is a uniqueness to being a pastor's wife. And I'd like for you to just speak to us a little bit about what do you think makes the life of a pastor's family, and especially his wife, unique when compared to other professions? 
I think it is very unique. A, a wife is called into her husband's job in many different vocations, but I think particularly as a pastor's wife, God puts a special calling on the pastor's wife to enter into the ministry. There are wonderful privileges, as I know you've experienced, living up close with someone who loves the Lord with all his heart and wants to serve Christ all of his life mm-hmm. and give himself to God's people, the, the privilege of entering into other people's lives more closely with the gospel and being able to support and enhance your husband's job in ways that, oh, you can't as easily if he's running a corporation or an airline pilot or whatever his job might be. But I do believe, and you, I'm sure, would speak to this as well, Sharon, there are particular challenges in being a pastor's wife. There are those hidden expectations from people in our congregations. They're not always clear, but they're very real. And people feel them. I've experienced a bit of a loneliness on Sunday mornings. Every pastor's wife knows what it's like to kiss her husband goodbye as he leaves for church early to get ready. And she is there with the children and everything else, bringing them to church, oftentimes sitting alone. And it can be a a lonely role. Sometimes it, it was hard for me. It has been hard for me in the past as Reyes asked me to help bear some of the confidential crises in the church because I believe ministry is a crisis vocation and um, that, that can be hard. Or sometimes some of your best friends are in your church and you, you need to guide them through very, very difficult times, events, happy times and difficult births and deaths, marriages and divorces. I think another challenge about being a a pastor's wife is that you need to raise your family in a public setting. Everyone wants to know you and and see your kids and just get up close to the pastor and his family. We might talk about this later, Sharon, if you'd like, but two things that I've also found to be quite challenging. One is the goodbyes. You give yourself yourself to your congregation, particularly to the women in your congregation. And oftentimes they leave. Sometimes they must move. Other times they slip away and you never know why. And you bear that that pain. I think I might just mention one more. And that's your husband's talked about a lot. And sometimes you and your children are as well. And it can take the form of encouragement It can also take the form of gossip and even slander. Maybe we could circle back around to that later. But those are some of the challenges that I think make our roles as pastor's wives a little bit unique. I agree with you totally. Um, I love that you started it out with there are many blessings to being a pastor's wife. And I have appreciated them and have enjoyed them immensely. And I try to remind young pastor's wives, they are there. There are perks that we get that other people do not get. Like our husbands can work their schedules often so that they can be there for children's activities and work, you know, like in the evening so that they can be there and those kinds of things. And you get to do life together, which I think is, can be an incredible blessing. But you brought up something that I think is really important. And that is the loss of relationships 
and uh, slander and gossip that often take place. And I don't really know of one pastor's wife who has not experienced that kind of loss. And so I think it's kind of a two-pronged question would be, how do you respond to gossip and slander that circles back to you, you know, by that friend who says, I just think you need to know. (laughs) And it's terrible. You wish you did not know. And then the second would be when a friend, someone that you considered a, a really good friend does slip away, maybe without a word, or maybe by saying hurtful things about the church leadership or your husband, or maybe even you. Well, that's a really a difficult question. We could have five or six podcasts about this, couldn't we? Yes. Because it's a biblical issue, slander, how we use our tongue. It's important enough that God has given us his word to help us. You know, the question I've had to cry out to the Lord sometimes when there's been particularly difficult slander that at one time cost my husband his job. Mm. How do I keep from dying, Lord? How do I keep from giving up? How do I keep from not becoming bitter? So the first thing we need to do, I think, Sharon, is just be honest before the Lord. Think of all the Psalms uh, where David says, I, I cry to you, Lord. I don't think that's just only a loud vocalization. I think there were real tears there. God gets that. So the first thing I have to do is, is, is just come to the Lord. And, you know, I have to realize my husband's a leader. Leaders are talked about. <laughs> the Proverbs say that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if someone is is using his tongue or her tongue to bring death to me, then I need to cling all the more closely to the giver of life and go to him and listen to Jesus more than I listen to that person. Because once those words are spoken, they're out there forever. Trying to capture someone's words about you is like, I don't know, trying to contain a cloud. How do you do it? Where does it end? So, I just found some things helpful in my own life, Sharon. I hope you'll interrupt me and and speak into this. But one thing I found is to ask the Lord to help me to examine what's been said and then leave it with him because all ministry has to be open-handed. As soon as I start trying to control it, it becomes my ministry rather than my sacrifice to the Lord. And so I, I ask him, help me to live, Lord in such a way that if someone says something negative about me, others would find it hard to believe. Help my life to speak louder than their words. And the other thing that has helped me, well, there are really two other things. One is I love going to other Christian leaders. I love reading Christian biographies. They have really helped me like Sarah Edwards or Amy Carmichael or Elizabeth Elliot. And as I've seen others accuse them and how they dealt with it, it gave me hope. It gave me encouragement. It, it gave me advice. So I, I, I try to live my life in such a way that others would find it hard to believe. I, I look to others, but finally, and most importantly, I just need to keep coming back to Christ mm-hmm. and the cross. When you think of it, he was murdered because of slander. It was slander and lies that took him out. I mean, obviously, 
with God's holy will surrounding it all. But ultimately, if you work it back, it's to the lies that other people said about him. So Jesus understands. I don't know if your your listeners have ever read Gilead by Robinson. It's a wonderful book. And there's an old man in there by the name of John Amos. He's the main character. And he says at one part when he was being severely slandered, I have two choices. Either I can torment myself or I can trust Christ. Torment or trust. Either Jesus is enough or he's not. And then somehow I have to make up the difference. Dad Ortland, Ray's, Ray's father, was a wonderful pastor. And he used to tell me, Janie, just be patient. Wait it out. Because waiting is what faith does until God shows up. And that has really helped me, Sharon. There's not a thing I can do about that slander, but I can bring it to Jesus. I can't handle what they're saying about me, but I can come to the one who does understand and can help me. I love everything you said. And I love what your husband's dad said too. And the waiting, just wait it out. I think sometimes we feel like we have to fix it. We have to track it down. We have to, especially to protect our husbands, we have to figure out how are we going to protect our husbands. But Those are the times where we really need to be quiet. I have to say, every time that I tried to do that as a young pastor's wife, it made it worse. I I was delving into places where God never intended me to be. And but it is, it's it's excruciating, I think, because as you said earlier, sometimes your husband asks you to help him carry really confidential things. You can't talk about them. And when those things would explain the context of criticism, it's so hard to die to self and to say, Lord, you know, and I'm, I can't, it's not my position to share these details about this other person, but it is definitely excruciatingly painful. And those of you who are listening, we're saying that I hope you can hear that in Janie's voice too, that we're not being super fluffy about this. We know that this is one of the most painful things. And so the second part of the question is, it might be a good friend gets caught up in the slander or someone that you consider not just an acquaintance, but more than that, walks away, gets mad at something in the church, or maybe like you said, you never know. But how have you progressed in the way that you handle those kinds of disappointing relationships? I progressed very slowly and terribly. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I think the Lord has let me remain in ministry this long to help me grow because I need it so much in my own heart, Sharon. One thing I could say is that when I'm bothered, when I'm anxious and worried, I sometimes have to stop and ask myself, why? Why does this bother me so much that she's left? Why does it hurt so deeply? And, oh, there are a lot of different answers depending on the day. Sometimes it's, well, because I gave her so much. You know, I've invested so deeply in her, babysat her kids, brought her dinner several times, had them over, taught her Sunday school class when she was sick, whatever it was. I, I, I shared my heart with her. I trusted my heart. So I go down, what is it that's bothering me? And ultimately, what I find is I'm chafing because my soul isn't at rest. 
And what I've had to do is find a verse in scripture that I can come and meditate on instead of meditating on her wrong against me, or even maybe her perceived wrong. It could be the Lord called them to leave and she would be disobeying the Lord if she stayed. So I have to be very careful. I only see it through my eyes. But a verse, Sharon, that the Lord gave me years ago and has really helped me, I would encourage your listeners to ask him for a verse, a specific verse that they can meditate on. The verse he gave me was, is Psalm 62.1. And back then I was using the NIV. Since then, we've transferred to the ESV. But in the NIV, Psalm 62.1 says, my soul finds rest in God alone. And when I'm struggling with a friendship, a relationship, someone who's hurt me or my husband left the church, I have to ask myself, God, what is my soul looking for rest in other than you? It's looking for rest in that comfort of I can call her and bear my soul to her. Uh, You know, I actually, it's true. I just had some oral surgery yesterday on some nodules in my mouth and you know, I could have called her to help me. She would have brought me a milkshake or driven me to and from the doctors when Ray couldn't. No, I have to come back to, Lord, I want my soul to find rest in you alone. You know, I had to have this oral surgery. You know, I couldn't call her to help me or or whatever the difficulty is. I'm making that one up, not about my surgery, but about not being able to call a friend. I do have a friend I could call, but find a verse that you can meditate on. And because what is meditation? Really, it's just muttering to yourself. And why not mutter a verse rather than that anxious thought or that sadness? One of the things that I've realized about myself is when I feel really restless and uneasy and struggling with sad, I don't want to use the word depression, but feeling depressed is I know that it's a call from the Lord to come and sit with Him and to allow the word to change my heart. And He says that he will make our hearts glad and that he will bring joy into our hearts. Sometimes we try to make that happen. But what he wants us to do is to believe him. Even in the New Testament, Jesus said that, uh, that what, what, uh, when he was asked, you know, how do we, in other words, please the Lord, you know, do all these good works. And he said, it's not, that's not the way to honor the Lord. It is to believe him. And that was something I, I, we lost our son, Mark, and his friend Kelly in a fatal car accident when Mark was 16. And that ultimately is where I had to land was soaking in scriptures that taught me about his character and to believe him. And how do you rest in someone that you don't know? So that's no matter whether you're a pastor's wife or not. And what you're saying is so true is find that scripture where you can land and you can soak in it. And what's so amazing is it's living. So the more you soak in it, the more I think God gives you from the depths of his riches. So it's it's kind of like uh, we want to find something new to fix everything, but it's the old story of his word and the power of his word. And so. So thinking about the power of the word and our husbands are sharing that every week, they're pouring themselves out. Uh, The responsibilities that they have are enormous. The lives of people rest in their hands. I mean, how many times I know we've walked into a room that was in chaos because of sorrow and brokenness. 
and suddenly the pastor is there. And so everything is going to be okay. You know, there's that kind of a feeling of strength and dependence. So they're perfect candidates for burnout (laughs) and perfect candidates for depression. So how can, as a wife, how can we encourage our husbands, especially if we start seeing those signs of burnout and maybe even depression? Mm, That's such a good question. My temptation is to follow Ray down that pathway. (laughs) And and then I take on his sadness And that's not as helpful for him. He wants empathy from me. He wants understanding. And I do want to listen to him and understand. But the thing I found most helpful, Sharon, and I hope you'll speak to this as well, is giving him God's word. Because my words are weak compared to the Lord's. And when Ray has struggled, he has needed to see his partner being able to stand firm on the foundation of the word and trust that God will see us through. So, you know, I'll I'll look for different passages of scripture. And as we talk, Ray is someone, I think many men are, who really appreciates a good meal after a hard day. That's not as important to me. I can kind of snack through the day and get by in that. But he really appreciates a good meal. That's one thing that encourages him mm-hmm. in his body as well as his soul. So I'll try to fix a meal that I know he enjoys and talk with him a little bit. If he doesn't feel like talking, I'll, I'll try to give him a scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of some of them. One that we both have camped on in hard times is First Peter 5.10. After You have suffered a little while. The God of all grace will himself establish you and restore you and confirm you and strengthen you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a wonderful promise that we can look back on. And I can say, honey, our suffering is for a little while. I know it stinks, but it's only for a while. Or we, we could go to Psalm 23. I think it's verse six that says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I can encourage Ray that, you know, you might not see it now, but there's goodness behind you that's going to overtake these dark days. There's mercy following you that's going to eat up this darkness and cover you with the renewing mercies of God because he's going to restore your soul. Psalm 23, 3. So verses like that, Sharon, that's what has helped Ray the most. Now, I would say to your listeners that if your husband does not have a friend to talk to, you might you might look for a a counselor where the two of you could go together just to talk things out. Another voice where he can verbalize. Ray has always had good friends near him to talk with, and that has helped as well. How about you, Sharon? How, How have you helped Chuck through the years? Well, I everything you're saying is true, and and sometimes he may be resistant to, but I you know the scripture the Lord shared with me, but but he always comes back and says it's exactly what I needed, and he's eager to hear. He knows that if he's down, if he's hurting, that he's trusting me to be in the Word and to be seeking the truth that maybe he can't see right then. And I I think that's part of that becoming one flesh, you know, that when he is weak, I am strong. When I am weak, he is strong. That's happened so often 
through our married life. And I mean, he's done the same thing for me when I felt distraught and despairing. And what is going to touch my heart the most is going to be the word of God. And our words are useless. We can say, oh, it's going to be okay. Well, it's better if we hear that from the Lord. That's saying there is restoration. This is not all there is. You are on your way home and it won't be as long as you think it's going to be. The other thing I think you touched on is like knowing your husband well enough to know what is going to comfort him, what is going to be like medicine for his soul and knowing his, like you said, he likes a nice meal that's going to encourage him because there's something about comfort food, you know, that comforts our soul. One of the things that I tried to do, and I know it's old fashioned, but I believe it's scriptural, and that is to create our home as a safe place where he knew that this was not going to be the place where somebody sliced and diced him, that he would always be able to trust me to encourage him and to be his greatest fan. That doesn't mean I didn't ever say, I think you made a mistake here. You did something wrong, but like Esther, I would try to find the right time. I would try to be wise about it. And I, it's that really, I've realized as I look back over the years, how God has changed me and transformed me so that it's not as hard to do that as it was when I was a young wife and give yourself grace when you are struggling with these issues and you're learning your way in your marriage, give yourself grace, give yourself time and surround yourself with people who are going to be your encouragers as well. I think that makes a big difference. The kind of women who are speaking into your heart, are they encouraging you toward the Lord or are they encouraging you toward self-pity and um, bitterness and anger? We could turn our anger toward the people that we think have hurt our husbands and our bitterness. And that that's a big one to be able to take that again and die to self again and again and again so that we're not feeding that anger and rage that may be in him. And you speak to a lot of this in your book, uh, Help, I'm Married to My Pastor. So I want to encourage listeners, get that. We can only touch on the tip of the iceberg here in this conversation. But Janet gets that conversation going and helps turn your heart toward the Lord. And one of the things that I think is a really big struggle in these days, and it probably always has been, but we, you know, with the way the news is and there are no secrets out there and we hear about pastors who are falling to moral sin. And I've had pastors wives talk to me about their husbands and say, I'm really uncomfortable with this relationship and he won't listen to me. and. He's telling me that I'm insecure. And I had a friend who told me after her husband's sin was revealed and he couldn't deny it. And she said, I told him a year ago that if he didn't end this friendship, that he was going to destroy his life and our life. And of course, that's what happened. How would you counsel a, a pastor's wife? She wants to protect her husband's reputation. She doesn't want to do anything to hurt him in the ministry, but she knows in her heart Uh, no matter what he says to her, that a relationship that he has or a particular woman is just, it's not going to lead to a good place. That is such a hard question, Sharon, because what it does is it cuts to the trust in the marriage relationship. And a man feels that. So a woman needs to be very, very careful how she approaches her husband. And I guess I I would give two words of advice. One is, if you do bring it up to him, try to make it a win-win situation. Mm -hmm. 
not that you are doing this so terribly. I don't trust you. Rather, I see this woman and I know how women think. And may I share with you what is going on in her heart and mind right now? How she gets to look at you each Sunday morning preaching God's word and think how perfect it would be to get to know a man who is so godly. How perfect it would be to be loved by someone like you who is handsome and knows the word and would just be the perfect husband. And how you could meet, and she just starts thinking that way. Help your husband to see that. He might not understand that. If your husband has not set up safeguards, many pastors do, where they are never alone in their church office with a, a woman. There are open door policy. There are always other staff around. If that is not the case, I would recommend to the wife, she bring in two or three church leaders, whether they be elders or other pastors, and say, you know, your wife has this concern. Talk to us about it with the wife there. Now, that's risky because the husband could come home and say, how dare you? How dare you bring this without my knowing? So I, again, there's a little bit of a caution there, but you seem to be speaking to the wife who is pretty certain, especially that illustration of the wife who the year before warned her husband. If um, a pastor is going to go down that road, very little will stop him. But pray, 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 seek help from others, and speak to your husband as openly as he will let you, and then leave it with the Lord. Yeah. It is, I know it's a really painful subject and topic, but I have a feeling someone is listening who needs to hear that message of encouragement. And I would add to the idea of appealing to um, an elder or a church leader, maybe before that is to say, um, I, I'm very uncomfortable with this. I trust you and you are not uncomfortable with it. I don't know how to handle it without it affecting our marriage. So I'm going for counseling. And I would love for you to come with me so that it's like you said, it's not, uh, uh, he's not being ambushed. He may say, I don't need to come for counseling. You, I really, I'm glad you're going, but I don't need to come for counseling. And that might be a clue that she may be uh, very insecure and seeing things that aren't there, but a woman's instinct is pretty, pretty certain. And so I would say not a hundred percent, but I would say that iron sharpening iron, there are there are those places to go. And she could also feel that she's protecting her husband's reputation in case she's wrong. And so she doesn't want to talk to somebody in the church about it. So, yeah, yeah. that's good. That's good. Yeah. I like that. It, it's it. I know it's a painful question, but I, I know that a lot of women are suffering without having someone to talk to. So I, I really appreciate what you said. I just hate wrapping up our time together, Jannie. We could just talk, like you said, on one of the topics, we could have four or five uh, conversations about it. But I'm hoping that our conversation has been like salty peanuts for our listeners that uh, I'm hoping, listener, that you will get Jannie's book. It's called Help. I'm Married to My Pastor. It's like a devotional style book, and it will just be such an encouragement to you uh, to open up some of those places that you maybe you're thinking about, but not sure exactly where to go with them. Whether you are a young pastor's wife or an older pastor's wife like me, um, if you're not a pastor's wife, this little book is going to give you insight into the life of your pastor. And so I 
Appreciate Jannie so much, our conversation. I hope that someday we can talk again. I would love to do that. Maybe build on this or go in another direction, but thank you so much. My guest today has been Jannie Ortland, and I'm Sharon Betters, and you've been listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. You can go to markinc.org where you will find more stories like this, more resources designed to help turn your heart toward Jesus. And we're going to have in our program notes information about Jannie, how you can learn more about her and her writing ministry and the renewal ministries that she and her husband are working in together. And thank you so much for listening to the Help and Hope podcast. I hope that you will subscribe. You can just go to markinc.org or download our Help and Hope app and subscribe and make sure you push notifications so that you don't miss a new one. Thank you again. I'm Sharon Batters and I look forward to being with you again. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.